Welcome to the Christchurch London podcast. Our Sunday services have now moved online and you can tune in every week for worship, prayer and our weekly sermon by going to christchurchlondon.org forward slash church hyphen at hyphen home. We're now going to hear the talk from this week's Church at Home service. Today's reading is from Luke chapter 18, verses 1 to 8. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice, so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice, and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Hi Christchurch London family, it's so great to be with you. My name's Adnan and I've been a part of Christchurch for maybe around eight or nine years now. And in that time, I've seen us go through several seasons of change as a church. But I have to say that preaching in front of you, in front of a camera, um, is definitely one of the biggest changes for me personally. And there are plenty of you that I'm sure um, I haven't met yet. Uh, many of you who I have met and haven't seen in a while. I just want to say that I really miss you all. And I'm really hoping that we uh, get to see each other and catch up very, very soon. For those of you who do not know me, I work as uh, a part of a communications team in my day job for a Christian charity called the London Institute for Contemporary Christianity. And we're in a series at the moment looking at the kingdom of God, exploring more of what this kingdom means and looks like for us as followers of Jesus today. And we've been looking at how Jesus's vision for his kingdom meets our deepest needs and our deepest longings. And over the last few weeks, we've been exploring different themes of what this uh, kingdom feels like for us. Themes like love, freedom, compassion, healing and purpose. Today, we're looking at how uh, communication with God through prayer helps us partner with him in his kingdom building mission here on earth. Now, it goes without saying, I think, that we live in unprecedented times. I'm sure we all uh, by now know of the challenges that uh, face us, not just individually, but nationally and globally, as the effects of the pandemic continue to bring significant challenges physically, mentally, emotionally, socially and spiritually. And as people continue to um, look for ways to cope and search for answers and navigate these challenging times uh, and also seek hope for the future, we believe that Jesus's message on prayer and how it connects us to the kingdom of God has so much to offer us as we seek to rebuild our lives and our city. Now, I don't know what each of our experiences of prayer may be. Uh, I imagine that for many of us, we can name positive experiences of prayer, but there may be many of us who also carry negative ideas of prayer and its effectiveness. Now, I, I won't have the time or the means in this video to address all of the questions or alleviate all of the concerns that people may have when it comes to prayer. But we're looking at a passage of the Bible today in which Jesus challenges some of the negative ideas we may have when it comes to praying. And he encourages us to pray more and to cultivate a life 
of communication with God. And we're looking at a particular parable that Jesus gives us in Luke chapter 18. And this is a parable known as the parable of the persistent widow. And there are two key things that I think Jesus is pointing to in the story. And the first has to do with the character of God, revealing how God acts out of a love for his people and a love uh, to hear their prayers and answer their prayers. And the second has to do with us as God's people, revealing what it means and looks like for us to be a people marked by life of communication with God, utterly dependent and confident in him. Now, it's worth us unpacking some of the context in which Jesus is speaking. You see, at the time, Jesus and his disciples were on a long road trip towards Jerusalem from the north of Israel. And they're traveling to join thousands of other Israelites to celebrate the ancient feast of Passover. And along this journey, Jesus had already been giving many teachings and parables on the kingdom of God, painting a picture for people to help them see this new way of living life with God and with others. And the immediate context of this parable falls under Jesus's teaching about the future of this coming kingdom of God with a call for us to to prepare ourselves for its arrival. And in this case, the parable explicitly encourages us not to be overwhelmed and not to give up when the going gets tough, especially in the lead up to Jesus's arrival and return back to earth. But instead to be prayerful and to pray constantly through these times. And in verse one, it starts off by saying why Jesus um, used this parable, which thankfully makes my job uh, quite a lot easier. You see, it's clear that Jesus wants to illustrate to his followers their need to pray constantly and not give up hope. And the word he uses is not to lose heart or to grow faint. He wants his followers not to coward, but instead to be filled with courage. And we're introduced to two characters in the story, a judge and a widow, people from very different walks of life with different levels of power and social status, resources, wealth, influence. And Jesus uses these characters very intentionally. And first of all, we're introduced to a judge. Now, judges in the Jewish world and context were supposed to be people who were God's representatives on earth, bringing justice and fairness in, in order to help restore society. But the defining feature of this very judge in verse two is that he couldn't care less about this. He couldn't care less about God or respect people. And he had no consideration for God's desires or what this widow needed. You could even say that he was failing or refusing to do two things, to love God and to love his neighbor. And these, as we know, are the two greatest commandments that Jesus told his followers. And it's clear that this judge possesses no inner self sense of duty towards God or to his neighbours and certainly not to this poor widow. And the widow is also used as a key character by Jesus for a reason. You see, his listeners would have understood that in the Old Testament, a widow was a classic symbol of the most vulnerable adult in society. And this widow had no one to help her with her case, nowhere to turn but to the judge. She was bereaved and lonely and emotionally vulnerable. And on top of this, she'd experienced injustice and no one, not even a judge, was willing to stand up for her. It says that she repeatedly came to this judge for help. You see, even if a judge was corrupt, you could possibly bribe them rather than repeatedly come back to them. So it even suggests that the widow's situation is so dire that she's unable to gather enough money to bribe a corrupt judge. She can't appeal to uh, God or to him for God's sake, and she can't appeal for her own sake, and she can't even pay him off. And what's also remarkable is that in this culture, women didn't go to courts unless they absolutely had to. 
men went for them. So anyone hearing this parable would have understood that this widow was truly alone. She had no father, no uncle, no brother, no nephew to speak on her behalf. And she had no one to plead her case but her alone. And against all possible odds, the widow plays her only card, using her own voice to plead. She refused to be quiet or take the easy route of just going away and kept on going until the judge surrendered by, in effect, saying, this lady is actually driving me mad. I'll just do what she says to stop her racketing on and so that she just go away. So the judge finally agrees to settle her case in favour, just to, in her favour, just to get rid of her. But here's a crucial point that Jesus is illustrating, I think. And I, and I think if we miss this, we miss everything that Jesus is trying to say. And it's to do with the character of God. See, it's very easy, I think, to misunderstand this parable. In the parable, we're presented with two characters. We're presented with a widow and the judge. And when we pray, we understand that there are two characters involved in that, us and God. So it can seem like if this widow is used as an example of us in prayer, is then the judge used as, as an example of what God is like when we pray? Grudging and capricious, reluctant to answer our requests. Will he only answer if he feels annoyed or worn out by our persistence? But actually, this is the complete opposite of what Jesus is trying to say. Jesus is making an argument from the lesser to the greater. What he's really pointing to is a third character in the story, God himself. You see, the Bible makes it very clear that God is, in fact, a judge. Um, just recently, I've been reading through Isaiah, and in Isaiah 33, uh, there's this verse that says, For the Lord is our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver, the Lord is our king, it is he who will save us. And there are many passages like this throughout the Bible that present God to us as a judge. But here's the thing. Unlike the unjust judge in the story, Jesus is pointing to a God that is utterly just and wants to bring justice and to do that speedily. Jesus's point is not that us praying to God is like the widow pleading with the judge, but rather is making the point that if the widow's prayer can have an effect on the most hard-hearted and self-centered, corrupt and crooked judge, how much more of an effect will it have on a loving and generous, just and perfect and gracious God? You see, this isn't the first time that Jesus uses this kind of logic in his parables. In fact, it seems quite a common theme. A few chapters back in Luke 11, Jesus uses this same reasoning when he's teaching on prayer in the parable of the friend at midnight. And then in verses 11 to 13, he explicitly says this. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I guess an important question for us to consider is this. How do you imagine God feels towards you when you pray to him? Do you imagine him as a father that delights in your prayers, that is eager to hear you and to answer them? Or do you imagine him as a capricious judge whose arm you need to twist in order to get any answer at all? Now, I must be honest, I've often fallen into the trap of not believing in the goodness of God's character when I pray. There have been moments in my life where I've faced um, certain pressures that have caused me to shrink away from Jesus or have caused me to question and to doubt his goodness and the effectiveness of my prayers. I wonder if many of you have felt the same way. 
But Jesus's biggest point here is to remind us of the loving character of the God that we pray to, rather than just getting us to pray more often. And on this journey to Jerusalem, Jesus Jesus has already been frequently reassuring his followers that they can trust in God's character. And he repeats this throughout his parables for a very good reason. There is so much in life that can get us to be distrustful and fearful. We're constantly met with people and situations that have more power than we do. And we question, how will they use that power? Will they exploit us or mistreat us? Will they they even uh, try to get rid of us? We learn to be cautious and put up these defences. We we then come before God, a God of all power and mystery, and we can bring these same defences and insecurities and project them onto God. How will he treat me? Will he punish me? Will he take away my freedom? Maybe he just won't listen to my prayer. And based on what we experience in our day-to-day life, these assumptions can seem true. But here Jesus wants to reassure us to have full confidence in God's perfect character when we pray. There is a wonderful passage that I love in Jude chapter one that says this, but you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Now, just like the parable, uh, we can misread this by thinking that we somehow need to keep praying in order to keep God loving us. Now, actually, this is the complete opposite. We get to experience the love God already has for us by placing ourselves, by positioning ourselves in a place to receive it freely. Now, here's an illustration that you may or may not find helpful. But if you came to me one day and you said that you bought a really lovely plant for your home, I don't know, maybe a small peace lily. But then you said that this plant is dying and you have no idea what to do about it. So maybe one day you invite me into your home and took me into the room that you were keeping this plant in. And in that room, you opened a dark cupboard. And in that dark cupboard, you had a a drawer that you showed me where you was keeping this plant. Now, I'm not much of a a plantsman or a gardener in any way. Um, I know that I've got some plants behind me, but one of them isn't even real and two of them don't belong to me. But I think I know enough about plants to say this to you. You need to get that thing into the light. You need to place it in a position where it can receive the light and nutrients it needs in order to flourish. You need to keep it somewhere where it can be provided for all of its needs. Now, that may be a silly analogy, but I think it's a helpful picture of why Jesus is encouraging us to be praying constantly and to cultivate a life of prayer. Not so that we can earn God's favour or his love but rather so that we get to grow in the love that he's already poured out to us. You see, prayer helps us to connect to God's rays of light, if you like, rays that give us life and point us to him as a source of that light. So Jesus uses the character of the wicked judge to make a contrast to God's perfect character. But Jesus also uses the character of the widow to depict a picture of us as God's people. I think if we look back at the story, we realise a few things. Firstly, the widow is utterly dependent on the mercy of the judge. And by doing this, it it suggests that we as God's people are like the widow, utterly dependent on God. I wonder, though, how does that make you feel? You see, right now, you may not feel anything like the widow. You may consider yourself as someone who's successful and a high achiever, someone who's rather self-sufficient and reasonably well off. You maybe keep yourself busy 
and and make things happen and uh, are not used to being dependent on anyone or anything. But the Bible as a whole paints a picture of us being entirely reliant on God for everything, whether we realize this or not. And this includes, uh, but is not is not limited to things like salvation, the forgiveness of our sins and a restored relationship with God, fulfillment, clothing, food, shelter, health, work, and the means to work. I think in our time, we're realizing more just how unstable these things can be for us. In Acts 17, verses 24 to 25, it says, The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. You see, prayer is not about us serving God by doing religious duties. It's about us recognizing that every breath and every pound we earn, every grain of rice we eat comes from God, and we need to be dependent on him for everything. It's worth noting that Jesus isn't saying that we need to only pray when we hit difficult times of need like the widow. Verse 1 is clear that, we, uh, that he told this parable to the effect that we should always pray and never give up, whether that's in good times or bad. But of course, if we're to develop this consistent life of prayer, the first thing we need to develop is humility. We have to recognize our need for God and for prayer. You see, the very next story in Luke 18 makes a, a similar point. In verses 9 to 14, we have a further two characters coming uh, to God in prayer. We have uh, a religious leader who seems very confident in, in himself and looks down on the tax collector and says, thank God I'm not like him. And then we have the tax collector who can hardly look up towards heaven as he's praying because he feels so ashamed and simply says, Lord, have mercy on me. And Jesus says that it was the tax collector who gets an answer from God and leaves justified. You see, pride can be a major hindrance uh, to a lifestyle of prayer, especially in a city like ours, constructed on a culture of earning and merit and self-fulfillment and constant busyness, all of which, which result often in judgment, judgment of ourselves and judgment of others. We're often made to feel that we must look good and feel good in order to be successful and feel any sense of value and purpose in our lives. And in the same vein, religion can often tell us that we must follow the letter of the rules in order to gain God's approval. And those that don't are simply rejected by God. But I think the flip side is also this. I imagine that while some of us fail to pray because we don't see the need of it, others of us simply don't think we're able to pray. For some of us, uh, the, th the thing that holds us back is a feeling of inadequacy, fear that we're not good enough or fear that our prayers are not good enough. Or maybe we're not able to articulate ourselves very well and we get intimidated when we're in, when we're in a public setting. Uh, you may feel your situation is so dire that God can't help you. But Jesus told this parable so that his followers would never lose heart, that they would always pray and not lose heart. He doesn't want you to discount yourself from praying based on your emotional state or your circumstances. You see, this woman had 101 things that could have disqualified her, but she did the only thing that she could do, and she cried out for mercy. On a personal level, I have to daily battle my own pride, judgmentalism, and the feeling that I must somehow earn God's approval or the approval of others around me. 
And when we're weighed down by repeated failures and lost hopes, we can pull around us a shell that makes us impervious to prayer and communication with God. But Jesus encourages us to keep going, to keep bringing our requests to God. And that's because through prayer, we get to experience the richness of God's character and we get to experience transformation in ourselves. See, I found that when I pray, I grow in my desire to pray more, to love God more, to love my neighbour more. And when there have been seasons that I've neglected prayer, I find myself becoming more like the judge in the parable. I notice certain changes in my behaviour. I tend to get more irritated or become less gracious in my email responses at work and become less patient on the phone to my family, less compassionate to the needs of the people around me. I start caring less about God and his kingdom and about the people that he has put me amongst. But you see, God wants us to be a people that are not only prayerful for ourselves and our needs, but also for the people and the places that he has placed us around in this city. In Jeremiah, God commands his people to seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which he has carried them into. He, he tells them to pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. We're called to pray for our city's welfare, well-being and its future. Now, I think 2020 has given us plenty of reasons to pray. Being in the midst of a pandemic, as well as witnessing the many racial injustices, social inequalities and growing political and economic uncertainties of our nation's future, we can see clear areas where we need to pray for peace and for justice. We're called to continually position ourselves in prayer so that we can experience more of God's love and more of his kingdom in this city. Uh, just one practical thing that I found helpful this year is simply going on walks. I find this a great way to connect with God. I find it helps if I'm also doing something physically alongside praying. I know it's getting rather cold out there now, but even setting aside 20 minutes once a week to walk um, around your neighbourhood and pray for the homes and the workplaces, which are basically now one and the same. The shops, the gyms, the cafes, praying for their peace, welfare and needs. And during these times of prayer, I've experienced particular promptings and nudgings to pray for particular people that I may have passed or specific needs that pop into my head. I find the more that I do this, the more I grow in compassion for the area that I live in and the people I live amongst. I grow in my desire to seek God's kingdom here in my part of London. Now, Jesus ends the parable with a question which points forward to a day that he returns. And he says, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? See, Jesus is pointing to a time when he will return to this world as the perfect judge and the perfect advocate who will restore the world to rights for everyone that has placed their trust and confidence in him. A few weeks back, Liam spoke about the mystery of, the, uh, of how we live in this intermediary phase where God's kingdom is breaking into this world and invading into our lives now, but will one day bring total healing and restoration and it's clear that in this phase that we live in, Jesus wants us to emulate the confidence and courage of the widow in our prayers. And when our prayers are not yet answered or maybe answered in a way that we don't expect or, or want, Jesus gives us his own prayer to fall back on by saying, your kingdom come, your will be done. See, prayer builds our trust and reliance on God's will for our lives.
But I think here's the ultimate reason why we can have full confidence that God loves us and hears our prayers. You see, as Jesus was approaching Jerusalem, he knew he was about to face the most turbulent time of his life. He was about to face even death on a cross. But even through all this peril, he didn't lose heart. He persisted in prayer. He continued to seek God, even though uh, he was about to face his darkest moments when he felt as though God had utterly forsaken him. You see, the Bible makes it clear that you and I have contributed to the brokenness and injustices of this world, whether directly or indirectly. We have failed to love God and love our neighbour as Jesus did. We've said and done things that go against what God has purposed for us. The Bible calls this sin, and it's what separates us from a right relationship with our creator and the fullness of life that God desires us to live. And the dilemma is that if God were to bring perfect justice right here, right now, without Jesus, you and I would be held accountable for all of our sins. And the Bible describes this as a, as a debt that we could never pay or earn our way out of. And the whole reason Jesus is so focused on this journey into Jerusalem is precisely so that he would give his life in order to pay the debt we could not pay. And out of love, God in Jesus has made a way to dismiss our case and satisfy justice as our judge. There's a wonderful passage in Romans 3 that I think sums this up perfectly. In verses 22 to 26, it says this, There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that comes through Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time, so as to be just and the, and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. See, when we pray, we can trust that we're praying to a God who loves us, has given his life for us, has forgiven us our debt and calls us his own. And when we pray, we experience change in ourselves to make us more into the people that God wants us to be, a people marked by love for God and love for our neighbour. And it's through prayer that we get to partner in the kingdom building work that God is doing right here, right now. And it points forward to a day where God will meet every need and every longing. Now, again, I don't know what your experience of prayer has been over the course of this year. Or if you're someone who's never tried praying before or find it a strange thing or just don't even know where to begin. Whatever stage you're at, I want to encourage you that you are not alone. If there are any particular questions you have relating to prayer, can I encourage you to get in touch with us? We'd love to talk with you pray with you if you, feel, if you feel up for it, and even point you to some helpful materials that could help you on your journey. You can get in touch with us via the website. And if you aren't already, you might want to join a connect group, place yourself among people that can pray with you and support you in prayer. There are also many great resources and tools on prayer. There are, there are a few books that uh, I found personally helpful by Pete Gregg, and two in particular are his books, How to Pray, and God on Mute. You can find these books and more resources on prayer at christchurchlondon.org forward slash prayer. Uh, just a few other practical ways that I've personally found helpful this year. Um, I found it helpful to set two or three reminders on my phone throughout the course of the day um, when I know I'm least likely to be busy, even if it's just for a couple of minutes. 
setting uh, myself even five minutes in the morning, I found to be helpful. And I find this to be the best time for me with the least amount of, distra of distraction. But I also know others that find it easier to pray and spend time in prayer in the evening. But best of all, God has given us prayers that we can pray ourselves. In the Bible, there are countless prayers for all sorts of occasions, whether we want to express joy or sadness or disappointment, anger even, grief or gladness. Exploring the book of Psalms in the Old Testament is a great way to start doing this. But of course, none of these things will be the silver bullet or a surefire guide to get us praying more. You see, the parable shows us two things. The first is that we'll never develop a strong and healthy lifestyle of communication with God unless we're first in love with God and convinced that he loves us and wants to hear us and wants to answer our prayers. And the second is that as the people of God, we need to be utterly dependent and confident in him for all our needs and allow prayer to shape us as his people. And this is the best part. The widow in the parable had no one to advocate for her or fight her corner. No family or friend to stand up for her, comfort her or be her representative. But you see, the Bible says that we have an advocate in heaven, Jesus, the perfect son of God, who came to earth and lived a blameless life. He then paid the price to dismiss our case for everything that we've done wrong by dying a death that we deserved. He rose from the dead, ascended into heaven and now pleads with God on our behalf. So when God looks at us, if we are followers of Jesus, then he says to us that we are not guilty. The verdict is sealed. Justice is guaranteed. In Hebrews 4, um, we have a, a beautiful passage that says this. Since we have a great high priest, Jesus, who has passed through the heavens, let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace and help in our time of need. If you put your faith in Jesus, you have free, unhindered access to God without any fear because of what Jesus has done for you. And you can pray in the knowledge that you have a friend in heaven. So no matter how weak you may feel, you can cry out to him. No matter how strong you may feel, you still need him. And the best thing is we come not like a nagging widow before a corrupt judge, but before a God who is perfectly just and perfectly loving and who is swift to answer our prayers. And before we go into worship, I'm just going to pray for this to become more of a reality for each of us. And you may want to close your eyes and put out your hands as a way of praying and receiving this for yourself. Heavenly Father, you are good and desire good things for your children. And in the midst of our medical, social, emotional and economic challenges, the world may want us to believe that you aren't good and that you aren't in control. But would you open our hearts and our minds to the truth of your character, the comfort of your presence and the promise of your salvation? Would you remind us of your delight in not only hearing our prayers, but also in answering them? Would you help us to lean on you for everything we need this day, this week and this year? When we're tempted to question your love, would you remind us of the forgiveness of the cross? Lord, help us remember that you are our defender and our advocate, no matter what comes our way, and that you are by our side. You are our salvation. You are our defense. You are our healer. 
we are your children and and help us to know that when you are for us nothing can stand against us and when our circumstances feel overwhelming lord would you give us the boldness to believe in your goodness would you use our circumstances to bless your name and shine the light of your hope in this city and in our world all for your glory and kingdom amen we hope you enjoyed this talk from the christchurch london podcast to hear other talks or find out more about our sunday services head to christchurchlondon.org